This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, how are you this morning? Doing well. Gearing up for uh, a Trade As Green announcement later today, a recruiting update there that we think will go very well for LSU, the number three tight end in the country. Um, and in, what, four years maybe, at Matt E.B., we could be talking about him on this podcast if uh, he's draft eligible. Yes, um, yes, but 2023 NFL draft is upon us. And Matty B., it's been quiet on the LSU front. Time for us to dive into it. We, we've got to give the people some uh, some info here because this is not your normal LSU draft. Yeah, I haven't gone through the um... – the history, I was going to go through it the other day of the last time they haven't had a first-round pick. You probably know better than me. Um, yeah, 2018. But... I think they've had a first-round every year since 2018. So in 2018 was the year like Chark and Geis and Dante Jackson. Um, Boster Morrow was in that draft, I believe. No, he's in 19. Uh, Arden Key was in that draft. Russell mm-hmm. Gage, Danny Etling, Will Clapp. Um, but they had second rounders and beyond. So 2019, Devin White, first rounder, went top five. In 2020, obviously, they had a uh, record, five first Everybody. rounders for LSU. Burns, Jason, Jefferson, Queen, Clyde, Lair coming up that national championship season. In 21, they had one first rounder, another top five pick in Jamar Chase. And then in 2022, they had a top three pick in Derek Stingley. So only a first rounder every year since 2019. They've had a top five pick every year since 2019. Yeah, last year I did a live stream saying we were streaming. We were go- I was going live until Derek Stingley got drafted. And uh, thankfully he got picked with the third pick. So it was only a 30-minute stream instead of, you know, an hour stream where wasn't sure where he was going to go. And let me say this to everyone who's in that debate of should it be Sauce Gardner not a Cincinnati or should it be Stingley? And Houston took Stingley. The Jets took Sauce Gardner. Um, Sauce obviously played great, ton of accolades. But the Texans, who were also good, but worse than the Jets, uh, Stingley played very well. So I think he's a guy who heading into year two and beyond, people are going to start talking about a whole lot more. There was just no reason to talk about him this year because – there was no reason for anyone to talk about the Texans. Yeah, yeah, and the Jets are you know and are in New York, so they garnered plenty of attention, anyways. Um, this year, I will not be running a live stream to until the first LSU players drafted because that uh, would go days. They will not have a first round pick, most likely. Uh, I put out a story on Monday looking at five different mock drafts, kind of aggregating them. And uh, kind of seeing where all the LSU players um, are projected in those spots. And I think we came up with nine players or seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine players uh, that had that were projected by at least one outlet to be picked. <clears throat> right. So the last three of those, which we'll get to, um, 
are maybe question marks. Maybe they will get picked. Maybe they won't. Um, maybe you could throw in another name in there. We'll see. But if we start at the top, B.J. Ojolari, defensive end um, slash outside linebacker. Everybody pretty much has him going in the second round, anywhere between the Athletic at 39 and CBS at 61. What do you think about B.J. Uh, as an NFL draft prospect? I mean, I think a lot of <clears> – one – He's got bloodlines. His brother Aziz uh, was a second round pick, early second round pick, I believe. Um, I don't think he got drafted in the first round, but came out of Georgia, went to the Lions, super productive. Um, so there's going to be a lot of teams that see that and say, okay, let's see what BJ has to offer. This is a guy who played at LSU at the highest level, faced a lot of elite competition in terms of offensive tackles he went up against. Showed versatility, played D and and played the Jack linebacker spot. Has good measurables, tested fairly well at the combine, um, kind of right about what you thought he would do. The Is he an NFL player? Absolutely. I think the debate here, Matty B, is there's a lot of edge rushers in this class and a lot of talented ones. So maybe in other years, could he pop into the very end of the first round? Some people still holding out hope that that happens this year, but – I would think that we're looking at B.J. Ojolari as the first LSU guy to come off the board in the second round. Correct me if I'm wrong. What are your thoughts? I, I think you're right. Um, you make a good point with the defensive end or outside linebacker position because in the NFL, very, it's very different from college where in college you'll see a lot more of those nickel packages. I mean, it's almost a base in in college football nowadays because you have to guard so much of the field. You have to. It's not as easy for um, – those linebackers to be athletes that can also cover the pass. Uh, and in the NFL, I think he is probably more of an outside linebacker. He will have to bulk up if he wants to be a defensive end consistently. So that might hinder some teams. Uh, that might stop some teams from taking him if they run a 4-3. I think he's more so of a 3-4 outside linebacker um, to me, which isn't a bad thing. I think there's, you know, pl I mean, we saw him this year, how effective he could be in his athleticism and his upside um, I think you're right. He will be the first one taken. He probably will be the only one taken in the first two rounds. Uh, we'll get to the other ones in a bit, but uh, definitely great um, career for him. Obviously, we know about his intangibles and just everything he brings on and off the field for whoever gets him. I think that's a really good pick and, a, I mean, frankly, a pretty high upside pick because we talked about his brother um, sticking in the league and doing a really, really good job um over the past few years so i think bj could follow a similar path there just because his athleticism his length i think he's um proven like you said in the sec that he can go up against um nfl tackles and you have to remember too if you're looking at the nfl draft um the premium quarterback is obviously one of the most premium positions from there it's edge rushers guys who can get after the quarterback and it's offensive tackles guys who can protect the quarterback so he's at a premium position i went through a number of mock drafts um, on different sites it averaged right about six edge rushers going in the first round bj was popping up he's usually the seventh or eighth one taken which meant early second round i will say though that most people are obviously have will anderson out of bama edge rusher as a top five potential pick Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech has shot up boards in a big way as a potential top five pick. Nolan Smith coming out of Georgia, someone everyone is high on as a potential top 10 pick. 
Luke Van Ness out of Iowa, another edge rusher who could sneak into the top 10. So I've already unloaded a number of them right there who are all going to be taken very high. Then you start to see a gap, other guys getting taken. And in most mock drafts, the edge rushers start to pick up again in the 20s and late 30s. Keon White, I know the Chiefs are looking for an edge rusher out of Georgia Tech, has popped up in a lot of mock drafts late. So BJ's hope is that all those guys do come off the board in the top 10 or 12 picks. And then those remaining teams that need an edge rusher, he's one of the best available. So hoping for him, look, he, as you noted, on and off field, he wore number 18. Everyone has nothing but great things to say about him. He'll do, he has done, I'm certain, great in all of the meetings that he's had with teams. Um, just a really great kid, person, and a hell of a football player. So if you're an LSU fan looking to keep the streak alive, I think you cross your fingers and hope there's a run on edge rushers and somebody late in the first round jumps on BJ. If not, he'll be a second round pick, which is great. Yeah. All right. The next two names here are both in the same realm in the 70 to 100 range. So pretty comfortably third round uh, evaluations from all these outlets. Um, we have guard Anthony Bradford and we have defensive tackle Jaquel and Roy. Bradford, I feel like people have kind of forgotten about how good Bradford was for this team last year. You know, obviously, Garrett Dellinger slides right into that position if we look ahead to next year. But Dellinger, I mean, was injured a lot of the season, you know, didn't play a lot of season. And Bradford started um, almost the entire year, really, front front to back. Uh, He was very consistent. And the reason why those freshman tackles were allowed to be freshman tackles and allowed to make mistakes, you know, be good, be bad. And the offense still operate was in part because Jaden Daniels was very mobile and could move and could run. But also guys like Anthony Bradford and Miles Frazier at the guard spots were terrific last year. So um, I'm, I'm glad Anthony Bradford put up the numbers that he did um, in measurables. And because of that, I think he's continued to work his way up draft boards. And I'm very, very excited to him to see him uh, go in the third round. I think he has pretty high upside. He's a big body. Um, I've, I've read some evaluations that love his power in the run game at six foot four over three thirty. I mean, obviously he can, he can move some people around. Yeah. I think the third round would be a great landing spot for him. Um, I saw some people tweeting that he could go higher than that, that there's speculation that, uh, he could be a guy that comes off the board even sooner than people thought. But even third round, I think, takes some LSU fans by surprise. That's the top 100 pick. Here's the reality of Anthony Bradford's situation. He played right tackle in high school. He was 370-something pounds in high school. And when he got to LSU, that was just way too much. Like, for perspective, when he showed up at the NFL Combine, he weighed 332 pounds. Well, even at 332 pounds, he's running a five flat, basically 40. He's jumping nearly nine feet in the broad yeah. jump. He's clearing 30 inches in the vertical, which is jumping higher than Keishon Butte did, which is a story we'll have to touch on here in a moment. But Bradford's thing was always just his weight. When you would talk to people at practice, like around LSU, coaches, other players, I can't tell you how many times over the years, and eventually he got on the field for multiple years we saw him playing, but they were like, Shay, this kid is unbelievable. Like one of the best offensive linemen we have. He's just got to shed weight, got to get in shape. But once he gets his hands on you, he is, you're done. It's over with. And he's got some athleticism in there, even with being at his size. Played some right tackle, a little bit in a pinch in college, but mainly a guard. He'll be a guard in the NFL, I would presume, obviously. 
I am buying maybe that he will be the second LSU guy off the board, but I do think he's got some competition. Yeah. Let's talk about Jaqueline Roy here because it's going to be a really fascinating situation here because coming off of his sophomore season, Jaqueline Roy was projected as a first-round pick. Like when people put out those way too early, which they are always way too early, which is why, you know, they're just for content, which is what we do, but that it's that's why why we're here, right? Um, when they put it out, Jaqueline Roy was gonna be a first round pick. I was like, okay, let's think about this. And I went through the last like 10 years, how many defensive tackles are taken in the first round every year? And it's very, very few. It's one or two a year, really, maybe three. And so Jaqueline Roy would had to be would have had to have been one of those top two defensive tackles to be a first round defensive tackle, top three. Obviously, this year I think it's a little different. You have Jalen Carter. Um, I don't have the D- I have the uh, mock draft in front of me, but I think there's a couple of DTs. Um, obviously, Jalen Carter being being the main one there uh, with all the talk around him. But still, I always thought that was a little bit of those were too lofty of expectations here. He came in junior, had a good season, wasn't great, didn't stand out to people. I think the way that he did as a sophomore, but still, obviously, seems to be pretty comfortably in the top 100 except the athletic i guess didn't get the memo and has him at 203 i don't know well and see here's the thing i think dane brugler is one of the best out there when it comes to mock drafts and he is as you noted and i'm looking at your story as well um espn and cbs both have jaquelin going basically in the top 75 which would mean early third round um Mm -hmm. pro football network at 126 nfl.com's got him in the top 100 and the athletic has him outside the top 200. I think, yeah, still at 203 in Dane Brugler's uh, updated mock draft. So there's some variation, obviously, in what people think of Jaquelin Roy. I'll give you this too. And it doesn't make anything wild, but I love these. It doesn't really give you anything that says he's so far and beyond should be picked in this spot or not. But I think it drives home the point of Roy is right on pace to be what guys are who are getting picked on the D-line in drafts. On three as on profiles, and as the database on three expands, it's really amazing. But on Jaqueline Roy's profile, if you clicked on his profile and go to scouting, you can scroll down and look at his height, his weight, his hand size, his vertical, his arm size, uh, his 40 time, all that compared to what other recently drafted guys over the past three years of the position were. And everything's right there. He's 6'3, the norm is 6'4. He's 300, the norm is 298. He's got 10. 10 plus inch hands. The norm is 10 inch His vertical a little bit below what the norm is, but he didn't do much at the combine um, by way of that did a little bit of pro day uh, arm right where it is with everybody else getting drafted around 33 inches and 40 time four, nine, five flat is about what everybody else has in the D line. So as a prospect, then you turn on the tape and it's really, he's really intriguing to me almost as much as Keishon Butte, maybe more. Because you've got people like Dane Brugler and others who are not that high on him and think he could be a fourth, fifth round pick. Then you've got people like Lewis Riddick, who has worked in front offices before, is a well-known personality when it comes to football and evaluation. And he has tweeted for a month straight, like, I am standing on the table. Someone should take this guy in the second round type thing. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone is going to miss here. So the different ends of the spectrum of Jaquel and Roy are just wild to me. And, and Matty B you've pointed this out many times. He played almost every snap for LSU last year. So there is a lot of tape out there. Yeah. And uh, 
played a lot at the nose. I think he can be a very good zero technique kind of guy or one <clears throat> technique. So that'll be very interesting to see where, like we start to get into after Bradford is where the, so after the second player is where the variance really starts to show. It's like, it so you think Bradford is the clear cut number two guy off the board? I think so. I think he will be. I think he will be. I think Roy will fall somewhere behind him. I where exactly I don't know, but I could see late third to fourth. I'd be. I mean, man, two hundred three seems like a huge drop. I just that's sixth round almost, right? Fifth or sixth round. I don't know the comp compensation. Yeah, picks the make it compensatory picks. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how that works out, but usually, yeah, top one hundred is usually first three rounds. Yeah. So you go from there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, speaking of var- <laughs> variants here, we let's get to Kayshawn. Kayshawn We're 16 minutes. Let, let's say this. 16 minutes into an NFL draft prep com- mock draft, whatever we're talking here about LSU. And we just now mentioned the one person that we thought was a no-brainer first-round pick. Don't don't worry, he'll still be the thumbnail. Still be the thumbnail. Still, still rack up the the impressions with that. Um, but yeah, that is basically the story here, right? We we'll go back to the way too early first um first round um draft board, and it's Kayshawn, top fifteen player comfortably, no doubt, not a doubt it in the world. Um, you look at the other receivers in that I don't have it in front of me, but I'm assuming it's like Jackson Smith and Jigba, those type of guys. Kayshawn was right there with them. And had an argument to be the number one receiver coming off of his sophomore season, which was cut short due to injury. But still, I mean, we knew what he was. When he got hurt, he led the country in receptions or in touchdowns and kept that for multiple weeks after he was injured. Like, this is a guy who produced flat out at the end of his freshman year to his the beginning of his sophomore year and then got hurt and then came back. And last year, we all know the story of what happened wasn't the same now it looks like even though these mock drafts that i put in the story are all ranging anywhere from 80 to 166 even those start to feel a little bit high when you look at this like from a perspective of saying all right he didn't produce last year he didn't test well what are we banking on here with Keishon Butte? that's that's the question i think a lot of people are going to ask and so i'm interested to see how early teams start to take a risk on him like what's the earliest we could see it here is it round three i think that would be pretty like if you're cash on you go round three you can't complain after after the year that you've had you just want to get on a team and go from there here's where it boils down to for cash for me <clears throat> and i think it'll ultimately this is what we'll find out is the reality of it 
this past season, Jaden Daniels did spread the ball around to different receivers and Kayshawn wasn't the go-to guy, right? And there were drops in there. There was games where he just disappeared at times. And this was a guy who his freshman year had put up the single game record for SEC receiving yards going over 300 against Ole Miss. This is a guy who left high school as a five-star and not just an elite football player um, who then proved it immediately as a, as a freshman in the SEC, but also an elite track guy. The athleticism just jumped off the table. At one point, he had one of the best, I think, top three uh, 100 times in the country when he was running outdoors as a junior. Or I think it might have been a senior year. Set some state records. Then you noted that sophomore season two years ago, I think it was five or six games in when he got hurt against Kentucky and led the nation in receiving at the time, or maybe receiving touchdowns, was up there receiving yards as well, and was on fire and looked like, okay, this is exactly who we knew he would be. He's been great in high school. He was great as a freshman. He's great halfway through this season. Then he has that ankle injury against Kentucky, misses the rest of the year. Then we find out he had to have a second surgery on the ankle um, to clean up more or whatever happened there. And then this past season happened. And I think we just presumed because he was out there, he's healthy and he's the old Kayshawn and it's just bad body language or it's just this or it's just that. When he went to the combine, Matty B, and he had the worst vertical of any skill player there, had the worst broad jump of any player there, ran a four five. It then became clear this isn't Kayshawn anymore. Like he does not have the athleticism he used to. I point to the ankle and he's a great player when healthy, which even after the combine, people said, don't worry, look, he's going to slip a little bit. But then he just kept slipping and slipping and slipping. And now we're talking fifth round, maybe. I mean, some people have him in the sixth round, which is yeah. insane to think about. I think what happened is all these teams got the medicals back. And you simply cannot make a draft pick on a guy that high who has multiple injuries, multiple surgeries that very, very clearly affected his athleticism. Yeah, and I, I've said it before. I think I said it early in the season when we talked to Kayshawn before this the year, and he said he still was not confident in that ankle. He still wasn't comfortable with that ankle. I put that up as a really big red flag because before the season, and obviously there was the whole, you know, the rehab situation where he didn't rehab correctly, then had to do it again, and so it was just so much going on there. But I'm I'm looking at it right now. Pro Football Focus is way too early, <laughs> mock draft of 2023, and Kayshawn is at number nine on the board. And it verbatim says Boutte's explosiveness makes you think you're watching 2019 tape at times, um, and it references his 300 308 yard performance against Ole Miss. Like if you go back and watch that tape, it's not hard to see why he was going to be a top ten pick, but. If you turn on any of the tape from this year, that's just – it's not the same player. No, and I hate it for him. The, I mean, the ankle injury literally derailed it for me. It has – I don't buy into any of this. It's body language. It's he didn't train hard enough for the combine, any of that. Like, he, the, kids like that can roll out of bed and break four or five in a 40. Yeah. Like, he can roll out of bed and jump higher than th- 28 inches in a vertical. Like, it's that ex- it's just not there anymore. Yeah, and so it's – um. Obviously, everything that he went through this past year, um, you know, had had his first child and everything like that. Hope, hopefully, he gets drafted, and uh, hopefully, everything works out well. But it is definitely worth noting that it's just been really—I don't know what the word is—but a, a year that has just dropped him down all the way to where you're right. You go on Twitter and it's like, all right, I have a fifth round evaluation for 
Keishon Butin. I have him as the third. Like people are saying, I have him as the thirtieth receiver on the board, something like that. So it is crazy. Also on this, uh, Jaquelin Roy is the seventh overall pick in this draft in this way too early mock. So yeah, a couple LSU players dropping. Uh, we can get through the other ones here pretty quickly, uh, except Jay Ward. I think Jay Ward is the last big name here because he will get drafted. The question is where. Um, CBS has him at 159. The rest have him outside the top 200. Actually, Pro Football Network has him at 123. So there's a second one. But I think I look at what Cordell Flott was able to do as a rookie this year on the Giants. And I know Jay Ward isn't quite as like he doesn't stand out the same way to me that Cordell Flott did. But I think he has a lot of similar tools. And for that reason, I'm actually really comfortable if a team took him in the top four rounds, like I think Jay Ward could step in and be really, really good. You think about the versatility he's had safety or from corner to safety to nickel. Like he can play any defensive back spot. I think he has great quickness, really good athleticism, really smart on the field. That's what players kept talking about was his communication ability, his um, IQ. And so if nothing else, I think, I, th- I hope he could go in round three or four. And I think that sets him up pretty well. i uh, go into the NFL. Yeah, I think there's a that's the big five here, right? It's going to be BJ Ojolari, Anthony Bradford, Jaquelin Roy, Keishon Butte, and then Jay Ward. And if you want to throw Ali Gay or Makai Garner into that mix, I'm got no qualms with that. But I do think Ward will be in that top five of LSU, first players drafted out of LSU. Here's what I also love about Jay Ward, which I think teams will have to like. He's started games. He was on the national championship team and played a lot as a true freshman on that team, mm-hmm. which had a hell of a lot of good talent on defense. But he started games at corner. He started games at safety. He started games at nickel. So all three positions in the defensive backfield, he knows. And he did it in the SEC facing a lot of guys who are NFL caliber players. So yeah. I love Jay Ward in a Jalen Mills type of way who came out of LSU and has had a long career now in the uh, NFL playing both with the Eagles and the Patriots. Just someone you can plug and play all over, and he can eventually become a starter for you, and you don't have to pay a lot of money for it. So I like Jay Ward as a, like you said, maybe middle-round guy. I don't think he slips into the late rounds, and I do think he's one of the first five LSU players taken. Yeah. All right. Um, we have four players left here that were all projected at by at least one outlet to get drafted. It's defensive end Ali Gay, cornerback Makai Gardner, cornerback Jarek Bernard Converse, and cor- and linebacker Maca- Micah Baskerville. All of them at 220 or later. So that puts them, you know, somewhere in the sixth, seventh round. Um Jare Jenkins was not in any of these mocks. Um I don't remember if there's another player or two, but those are pretty much the names that we have here. I will start off by saying I am kind of surprised Jarek Bernard Converse and Makai Gardner aren't a little bit higher. Not saying they should be around three, four guys, but I mean, they this past year they were really, really freaking good. And Jarek Bernard Converse is coming off of before this year at LSU where he was good, was good multiple years in the Big 12 at Oklahoma State. I understand the maybe athletic, but I mean, he tested well. Like, tested great. Tested great. And so that was going to be my thing with uh, Bernard Converse coming out of college was like, okay, he's not as physically imposing maybe as you want NFL corners to be. But then he tests well, and you pair that with his experience. You pair that with, I think he has an incredibly high IQ, played some safety for LSU as well. I I think Bernard Converse should be higher here and should go, I mean, round five, six, in my opinion. Makai Gardner's obviously, I'm – very high on him as well. I think he was kind of that man-to-man corner LSU needed physically. Uh, very impressive and uh, was really good this year. 
Yeah, look, a year ago at this time, we were talking about the LSU corner position being one where we had no idea how it was going to pan out. They had LaTerrence Welsh coming in as a true freshman. All these guys had transferred out. We didn't know what anything would look like. And Makai Garner and Jared Bernard Converse saved it for them. I mean, they were the glue that held that together by transferring in and playing well. I'm with you. Bernard Converse was really good at Oklahoma State for four years and then mm -hmm. came to LSU and had a really, really good season. Like I said, played a couple spots, tested off the charts at LSU Pro Day when he got uh, in my opinion, snubbed on a combine invite. Um, but there's just so many corners in this draft. And then you look at Garner. Garner was a guy that every week, Matty B, I feel like when we got on the postgame pod, we would talk about how big Makai Garner played that day. And certainly I think they're going to look at his UL film uh, from Lafayette before he came to LSU. But more so what he did this year, I won't be surprised. It wouldn't shock me if he got drafted higher than Jay Ward. Like when you get into these middle and late rounds, teams just have to fall in love with a guy and be like, we want a corner and that's the guy we want. So I, the odds on favorite is Jay Ward to be the first DB, but I think Makai Garner is going to go somewhere in that same range. Yeah. And as is the case with all these guys, once you get to around five, six, seven, it's kind of just the eye of the beholder situation. Sure. Where it's, you know, a team A might need somebody, but then also maybe one scout likes this guy more than than other guys and so on and so forth. Or maybe he thinks he's found, you know, a gem in Makai Garner. And he's like, oh, man, we got to take him at round five because if he's gone around six, you know, that'll be a miss for us. So anyways, it's kind of out of the hold situation. The other two players here, Ollie Gay and Micah Baskerville. Um, Ollie Gay... I've seen some people float around, you know, Ollie Gay could be better in the pros than he was at LSU. Um, I think physically it's a very interesting ar argument because he is so damn big. So it's like, all right, if we can refine this a little bit and get him as a obviously hand in the dirt defensive end to where he can play the run or maybe be a defensive end in a 3-4 scheme, I think there is a, a path to him getting on the field and playing. Uh Obviously, we just haven't quite seen him be as dynamic as we wanted him to be. And so that's why he's kind of dropped down a good amount. But I wouldn't be surprised if somebody takes a risk on him. Yeah, and then you've got Baskerville. Risk might be a strong word, but it's, you know, take a take a shot on him uh, in round six or seven. Yeah, and then you've got Baskerville, at linebacker, who um, him deciding to come back, I think, was really big for his, uh, his draft stock. He, it was great for them. He did a lot of pass coverage stuff that other linebackers on the team weren't able to do. Um, look, they had guys like Mike Jones Jr. and a number of others who had come in and we thought might get more linebacker run, but Baskerville held everybody off and it was sort of just him and Greg Penn out there, uh, which allowed Harold Perkins to do what he does and play that edge roll spot. I'm not sure. I hope I, I love Micah. So I hope he does get drafted late. We'll see. Um, but most of these mock drafts, Matty B, have LSU having five players drafted. Would, mm -hmm. Let's wrap up here by saying this. What is our guess on how many LSU players are drafted? And their five are the five we led off with, uh, being B.J. Ojolari, Anthony Bradford on the O-line, and Roy on the D-line, um, Kayshawn Butte at receiver, and Jay Ward at DB. So beyond those five, which I presume all five of those are going to get drafted, how many more are you adding to it? I think the corners – I wouldn't be surprised if the corners go. Um, get, put me at like – I think two out of three between Gay Gardner and Bernard Converse. I think two out of three of those go. I so agree. Put, put me I at think seven. It, I think it's seven. I put me at seven, which is that's, – that's a pretty good draft. 
That's a, it's a pretty good draft. It's not it 10, is, 11. It also doesn't – that like we just ran off, like there wasn't a first-round pick on that list. There wasn't five first-rounders. There wasn't, you know, all six guys in the top 100. Like, yes, they're losing guys to the NFL draft, but it wasn't like all their best players. So I think that bodes well for the LSU roster too. It's Sometimes it's good that half of your team is not leaving and becoming first-round picks. It's, hey, look, here's a handful of guys that are going to go. Of that group, a few of them, a number of them actually, uh, their eligibility was exhausted. So beyond Bradford and Ojolari, yeah, and Makai Garner, maybe I think everybody else and Kayshawn, everybody else's time was up. Yeah. Um, if we do a way too early for twenty twenty four, we got Jaden Daniels, Malik Neighbors, uh, Mason Smith, Makai Wingo. Pretty good Boy, group that, there. That class is going to be stacked. With guys, good. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe a Dellinger. Maybe uh, uh, we'll see. We'd have to move move some pieces around. Maybe in the back end, if Major Burns has a year, so on and so forth. Ovia Gofu, see how he does this year. Yeah, Omar uh, Spates. If Savion Jones Omar. has a blow up year, Omar Spates. He could Omar be one. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that'll be an interesting group there. Um, we'll see how the the way too early ones. How high they have Malik? I'd be interested to see that. See where he ranks with the, all the other 2024 receivers there. But anyways, that's it. Um, we hope you all enjoyed this nice 30 minute podcast before the draft begins on Thursday night. That will be round one for those who don't know the format. It's round one on Thursday, round two and three on Friday, and then rounds four through seven on Saturday. They basically start at like 11 or 12 and just go all day until they're done. So. There you go. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Leave us a like, comment, share, and subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and review if you're listening as well. What's you got, Shay? Um, let's sign off with this. Who? Give me your number one. Who's going to be the number one pick? Did we already do this? I'm still sticking with um, oh. Bryce Young. I think it has to. I I think it has to be Bryce Young. All the other quarterbacks I've I've seen again. I'm just mock draft watching where it's like I feel like all of them go are moving around a lot still at this point. I, I think Bryce Young is the one consistent. I think Carolina needs a quarterback. Uh, there was talk of C.J. Stroud early on, but I think that's kind of falling off. Give me Bryce Young at one. Um, and then it's kind of – I just want to see where everybody else falls because I don't feel like anything else is set. I've looked at mock drafts that have Will Anderson going at like 6-7, and you're like, damn, I thought he was going two. So we'll see. That's all we got for you all today. Hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back. Um, I don't know if we'll post this before or after the um, – other videos today but yeah be on the lookout for those as well thank y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all later hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.